You're listening to a sermon preached at Sojourn Church, New Albany. The great theologian Augustine of Hippo once said that in the Old Testament, the new is concealed. In the new, the old is revealed. When we think of the messianic prophecies from this perspective, we see that the Old Testament whispers to us about the coming of the Messiah. Join us during our Advent sermon series titled Rumors of the Messiah, where we confirm the whispered prophecies of the Old Testament that told of the birth, suffering, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, hear the word of the Lord from Isaiah 61, 1-4. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. The Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn what the time of the Lord's favor has come, and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he he will give a crown of beauty for ashes." a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. They will rebuild the ancient ruins, repairing cities destroyed long ago. They will revive them, though they have been deserted for many generations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Good morning, Sojourn. Peace be with you. It's good to be with you guys. Merry Christmas. Uh, My name is Jonah. I'm one of the pastors here at Sojourn. And um, yeah, thank you for coming and and being with us. Our, Our mission as a church is to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, build them up as his church and send them to follow him in his world. Thankful that you've come uh, to be a part of that. Uh, this is, you just got a couple of days left for year-end giving. I know some of y'all are just itching to spend more money. You got all that money just sitting around later. I see you, space. I see you, flash. <laughs> I don't know. That's what happens when you make eye contact. You got, you know, small room, make eye contact. Sorry, buddy. Um, so, yeah, if you wanted to hit for this tax year, give by Friday. And, uh, again, as we've been saying, all of our year-end giving is just going to try to catch up on our budget from the past year. So uh, thanks for being a part of that. Um, got kind of a one-off sermon next week, and then the rest of January, we're doing a a series called Our Sojourn, which uh, we did a few years ago when there were some big transitions in our church when we started moving away from multi-site, and so we're kind of revisiting that to assess kind of where we are and where we're going. So that's where the next uh, few weeks will go after this. Um, You know, I've been thinking, obviously, about Christmas a lot because it's Christmas, and yesterday was Christmas. Merry Christmas. I hope Hope you got some nice pajamas or something. Um, I got head-to-toe orange, Bengals orange pajamas. Uh, if you all feel like praying, pray for them Bengals today. I've got a big one, big one at 105 um, against the Baltimore Raisins. Uh, so I've been thinking about gift giving, and it's a strange thing when we have traditions, and at some point with, maybe you've done this just with your family, not even with a holiday, but you start asking, why do we do this? Um, I heard a story one time about a couple getting in a fight about, uh, you know, they were cooking a roast for dinner and 
the husband just demanded you have to cut the ends off of the roast. That's how that's how you do it. And after several years, the wife was just like, "This is so ridiculous. Look at all of this meat we're wasting." He's like, "But that's the way we do it." And he's like, "I'm calling grandma because we learned it from grandma." And they called grandma, and she said, "Why well, only had an eight-inch pan, and that's all we could afford?" And so we <laughs> cut off the edges, and you know, so you do things, and this is the way we do it. And but but why do we do it? Why do we give Christmas gifts? Um, Maybe it's because we want our children to feel a sense of awe and wonder. Maybe it's because we want someone to feel loved in our family. Maybe it's because we're American and that's just what we, what we do. Um, why did it start? Uh, why did we begin this tradition? Um, there's three words you're going to hear me say several times in the next few minutes. Uh, it's ancient, sacred, and ritual. Uh, Gift-giving, Christian gift-giving, even Christian generosity in general started out as an ancient, sacred ritual. Um, ancient's the easy one. It just means it's old. <laughs> uh, sacred means it's spiritual or it's, it's holy. It's somehow trying to connect us with a sense of the divine. Um, ritual is the one we Protestants sometimes struggle with. Anybody grow up Catholic? Anybody willing to say it? Anybody? Uh, so ritual can sometimes make us feel like, oh my gosh, here, here we go again. Are we kneeling? Are we bowing? Are we standing? When do I get up? When do I get down with the water and all that? What, what do we do? Um, so a ritual, all a ritual is, it's a physical way of acting out what you believe. It's, it's a way that we embody something that's a bit mysterious. And by mysterious, I mean we, we can't totally understand it. Uh, we, we can maybe explain it, but that doesn't mean we fully understand it. We do this all over the place. Uh, I've officiated lots of weddings in my time. It's a privilege to do so. And lots of times there'll be some kind of the tying of the knot ceremony or the, uh, the sand ceremony. Y'all ever had a sand ceremony? Um, there's the, the unity candle is traditionally what we've done. Um, newer, nowadays, people come up with all kinds of, we're doing the, whatever, the sock putting pine cone ritual or, you know, that they're striving for a way to show to the world, this is what's happening. Two are becoming one. Two individuals are being united together as one. What is that like? It's like two flames of a candle being put together. Now there's one flame and we're like, oh, we, we see. So ritual is something that we do to practice what we believe, that we might believe it more, uh, that we might understand some things that may be beyond understanding or, or hard to explain fully. Um, so ancient sacred rituals involve all of our senses to help us believe what we believe more. Um, that's, you know, we've talked about the head-heart disconnect a lot over the years here, and rituals help us engage more of who we are outside of just our, our thinking minds, um, because it's, you're more than your thinking mind. And so usually a ritual is some way of involving all of our senses. So ancient sacred rituals involve all of our senses to help us believe more. So when we come to Christmas, think about this. We decorate our houses. Why? You walk in your house, it's like it looks different in here. Uh, we cook different foods. Oh, it tastes different here. Uh, there's certain candles. There's Christmas scents. The scent only comes out during Christmas. So for those of us who take Christmas seriously, you'll walk into a home that looks different, 
that tastes different, that smells different. These are all rituals to help us experience something. And then we have a month-long buildup of anticipation and of work and of hiding in, in good ways, you know, for surprises so that we come to Christmas morning and you open something and it's, it's wonderful. And this helps us say to ourselves and each other, this is what God is like. And this is what receiving Jesus is like. Ancient sacred rituals help us practice what we believe. It helps us believe what we believe more, and it helps us rehearse and practice for the future. That's why we give gifts, to believe what we believe more, to to make the somewhat abstract gospel that we hear every week seem more real. And so let's watch how this plays out in this passage of Isaiah. Again, this is a promise of who the Messiah would be. When God comes to rescue his people, what would happen? So in verse one, it says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. So as you go through the Old Testament, which I know y'all love reading your Old Testament, you're about getting that Old Testament, people. When you see the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and the Lord has anointed me, these two phrases, when these are connected, a message of salvation is being announced. So as you're reading, if you notice, so the Spirit of the Lord came upon so-and-so and anointed him to do so-and-so. It's a message of salvation that is being announced. So we have a promise here of one who will bring about salvation. And this good news, the good news of this salvation is coming to the poor. Uh, poor here, it can mean that like people in poverty, people who don't have enough money, uh, but we could also just as easily translate this word good news to the meek or good news to the afflicted or good news to the humble. It can mean several different things. It's, it's just a it's a way of saying all of us. It could be those impoverished in spirit, those impoverished in character, those impoverished in faith. So there's a universal good news that's being ushered in by this anointed one. Isaiah continues, he has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it the day of the Lord's anger against their enemies. Try to think of who this promise does not apply to. Try to find somebody that this wouldn't apply to. Have you ever been brokenhearted? Have you ever been held captive or unjustly imprisoned? Have you ever mourned? Have you ever been looked over? Have you ever watched evil people triumph over you? Wrestled with the question, why why do such good things happen to such bad people while me trying to do so many good things gets overlooked and it feels like I'm being punished? The, the promise here in Isaiah 61 is that good news is coming to all of us. And I want you to notice something in these promises that's made most clear in verse 3. It makes the promises of God different. It makes the announcements of God different. So verse 3, it says, To all who mourn in Israel... He will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair, and their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. 
So here's what I want you to notice. The promise isn't something just to hold on to and believe. It's not just information. The promised salvation is an announcement that delivers us, yes, and it transforms us. God's salvation not only sets us free in a legal sense, you know, free from our sin, free from our guilt, free from our imprisonment, but it also changes us at our core. So what happens to your ashes? God doesn't just say, your ashes will go away. He says, your ashes will become something beautiful. Beauty from ashes. He doesn't just say you don't have to be sad anymore. He transforms your mourning into blessing. He doesn't just say don't don't despair anymore. You don't have to. He transforms your despair into praise. The, The salvation God brings is good news, not just for what it announces, but for what it does. It changes us. It transforms us. God will make us what we cannot make ourselves, oaks of righteousness, mighty trees that cannot be shaken. And th- this promise from Isaiah, it was like, it was like the, maybe, maybe you got to go back to when you were a kid and, and that first present that showed up under the tree early December. Um, have you guys watched 8-Bit Christmas? It's a new Christmas movie that just came out. Uh, it's about, if you're late 30s like me, uh, you'll love it because it's about a guy telling his kid the story of his first Nintendo entertainment system and all that he did to try to get his first Nintendo. Um, maybe there was a gift for you when you were a kid and you see the present that showed up under the tree and you look at it and you're like, it's the right shape, it's the right weight, but no, 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 no way. No way would they get me the Nintendo. And you spend that month of wondering, excitement and doubt, hope, but trying to temper your sense of disappointment and what will it be, will it be, will it not be? This promise that Israel received was like, it was, it was just the perfect size gift under the tree, except they didn't have to wait 20-some days to open it. They had to wait hundreds and hundreds of years. And then... After centuries of silence, centuries after this promise was made, a child is born to us. He grows up, and as a man, one of his first acts of ministry, which should tell us something about the mission of God, he goes and spends 40 days in the desert to be tempted by Satan, to experience hunger and dehydration and exhaustion. After this time in the wilderness, Jesus, again, try to imagine how you would feel after 40 days in the desert being tempted by the devil, sleeping on sand, not drinking, not eating. Imagine what he looked like. Uh, Imagine the shape that he was in. And he decides he's going to go home. He goes to his childhood home of Nazareth. And when he's there, he goes to church. And while he's at church... He says, I'd like, to say, I'd like to share this morning. They had passed the mic testimony time. He takes a scroll from the book of Isaiah. We have books. They had scrolls that they would roll out. Someone hands him the scroll of Isaiah. Jesus, exhausted, dehydrated, and hungry after his temptation in the desert, standing in his hometown church, reads this passage from Isaiah 61. He sits down in front of everybody. And just try to make a movie of this in your mind. Maybe sit with this later today. 
Go through that, the temptation. He stands up at church. He reads this passage from Isaiah. He sits down. Luke 6, 21 says this. Then he began to speak to them. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. He says to them, it's me. The spirit of the Lord is on me to do this for you. We open gifts on Christmas after a long wait filled with suspense and uncertainty to remember that Jesus said this, to remember that Jesus accomplished this. If you've called on the name of the Lord, if you've cried out for his salvation, if you've placed your trust in him, you've experienced some of these promises. Amen? You've experienced mourning turning into joy. You've experienced something ugly in your life becoming beautiful. You've experienced heartache being comforted, maybe in ways you can't understand. Maybe you've experienced his liberating power, some freedom from sin and guilt. And yet some of those things still linger. Amen. We are better, but we're not fully healed. We've been changed, but not fully transformed. We find ourselves again in a period of waiting. The Advent season, which we've just left, is meant to teach us how to wait. And the Christmas season is, to meant, is meant to help us Practice joy in the waiting. The, the Christmas season is meant to help us practice what we believe, to help us believe it, to rehearse the future so we can prepare for the future, so we can believe more than we believe. Back in Isaiah 61, the, this promise ends this way in verse 4. These oaks of righteousness that the Lord will create, what will they do? They will rebuild the ancient ruins, repairing cities destroyed long ago. They will revive them, though they've been deserted for many generations. The, the promise for us in this Christmas season is that one day soon all will be well, and all manner of things will be well. If you go back and look, read through that Isaiah 61, 1 through 4, and say, what is not addressed here? Our physical condition is addressed. Our emotional condition is addressed. Our very homes, our cities, the places we inhabit will be addressed. A transforming salvation is available to all who want it. The, the promise of God's salvation is not just good news, it's power to change. Not a power that comes from us, but a power that comes from God. And we experience this future today. We prepare for it today by going and doing what Isaiah promised and what Jesus fulfilled. Empowered by his spirit and his very presence, we go to make the earth look like heaven. We go to build the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Another way to think about it, Christianity is never merely a confession, a Christianity that settles only for a confession of faith is a truncated faith, divorced from the teachings of Jesus and the scriptures. It's never meant to be just information. Yes, it's an announcement. Yes, it's news. But it's, a, it's also a way of life made possible by God who came near. So what is the ancient sacred ritual of the Christmas season? Well, we go to broken places with good news. 
we bring good news of a transforming salvation that is available to anyone who wants it. And this announcement, like the announcement of Jesus, has an effect on people and places. This announcement brings about change. To, to proclaim the salvation in Christ is also to summon it into existence in some ways. The, the news transforms and changes. So we, as the people of God, we rebuild what is broken. We bring comfort to those who mourn. We make beautiful what is ugly. We bring freedom to those in captivity. We bring justice to those in oppression. We, we do this as a way of rehearsing our future. We do this so that we can step back from our work, look at the ugly thing we made beautiful, the broken thing that we made whole, and say, this is what will happen to me. We look at cities that shine because we lived there in the work that we did here. And we say, this is what will happen to us. C can you imagine what might happen? Let's just start in our cities, um, in our city, New Albany, Indiana, Southern Indiana. Can you imagine what would happen if the reputation of Christians in this town was that of people who made the world more beautiful, more livable, more peaceful, and more whole. Let's start with one church. What if when, when, when someone said, oh, Learn, you, you go to Sojourn, if the reputation, if what people came to expect of us is they bring beauty to ashes, uh, they bring comfort to those who mourn. What if that was the, the reputation? This has been the reputation of Christians historically, and we've lost it. See, caring for the poor fighting for justice, showing generosity. These are not just commands in the Bible, though they are. These are not political talking points. That's a, a recent phenomenon. These are ancient sacred rituals meant to help us believe. Help us believe that God came near to us, that he cared for us, that he provided for us, that he's coming back for us. We know we will not be complete or that the kingdom of heaven will be complete until he comes back. So now we bring beauty to ashes. We bring healing to the wounded. We bring restoration to the broken. We practice these ancient sacred rituals that help us prepare for our future, be it gift giving or acts of love and service. The, the wonder of Christmas in some ways is that in Christ, all of life becomes sacred. Not just this moment here on Sundays, not just our devotionals or our times of prayer or spiritual practice. In Christ, all of life becomes sacred because God has drawn near to us. Yes, we're waiting for his return again, but we do not wait alone. The spirit that binds up the brokenhearted, that comforts the hurting, that transforms mourning into, mourning into rejoicing, ashes into beauty, that same spirit is with us. And so if you believe, and you also need help believing, which is normal Christianity, to believe and need help believing, then the invitation is to enter into the ancient sacred ritual of following Jesus, where we do what he did, we do what he commanded as a way of experiencing and embodying what we already believe. All of life becomes practicing what we believe so that we might believe it more, more deeply, more from the heart, more down into our bones. And it will make us a people marked by hope and life and encouragement and renewal. This is some of what you will hear in the weeks to come as we talk about 
the next phase, the next season in the life of our church. Um, and so maybe that's your simple next step, that the ancient sacred ritual of gathering with God's people every Sunday, not when it's convenient, not when it works nicely into our schedules, but because we want to believe what we believe more. And there, every week when we gather, there's an ancient sacred ritual that we participate in. It should tell us something about what it means to be human and what, what God's desire and his intention is for us. It's, it's the Lord's Supper. What do we do in the Lord's Supper? Do you notice how we practice what we believe in our minds, in our physical bodies? That we might experience the transformation promised us by Christ. So, so watch the movement here. Jesus says to his disciples on the night he was betrayed, this is my body. Is this a body? I, I set you guys up with the Catholic stuff earlier. We're not Catholic. We're still not Catholic. So let's try that again. Is this a body? No, this is a loaf of bread. Jesus says, this is my body. What's he doing? He's saying, this means more than you think it means. I'm trying to sneak behind your minds that say, no, that's just bread and get your imaginations going. He says, this is my body and my body is given for you. So what? Do we sit back and say, Jesus gave us his body. Thanks be to God. He says, this is my body given for you. Take it and eat it. What does that say about Christ's desire for us and his invitation to us? Take who I am, bring it into yourself. What happens when you eat something? It literally becomes who you are. In the mystery of your body, it breaks down food into enzymes and proteins and all these things, and it gives you strength and energy. What you eat literally becomes you. And so Jesus says, if you want to know what the good news that I've come to announce is like, well, look at my body given for you. Eat this and remember what I've done for you. In the same way, when the meal was over, he took a cup of wine and he said to them, you want to know what your relationship with God is like? You want to know what seals you and keeps you safe in the family of God? Well, this cup is my blood. Is this blood? No. It's, a, it's wine. It's, it's an everyday drink. This was the most normal of drinks for them. It would have been at every table. He says, take what you normally drink and think of your relationship with God. This is what keeps you safe with God. It's my blood shed for you. So do you want to know if you're safe with God or not? Drink this and remember what I have done for you. So when we gather on Sundays to rehearse this, we're doing so much more than making an announcement. Yes, there is an announcement. The body of Christ has been given for you and the blood of Christ has been shed for you. But in this sacred ritual, what are we rehearsing? Our great union with Christ. Someone explain that to me. You are united with the eternal Trinitarian God who before all foundations of the earth looked out and says, I want you to be part of my family. Like we could read millions of pages and try to understand what all does that mean. We might get a little bit further down the road by the time we come to die. Or we could say it's something like this. I invite you to open your cup. What does God want for you? What are his intentions for you? Behold, this is the body of Christ given for you. Eat this. Remember what he's done for you. Open your cup and behold the blood of Christ 
shed for you, which seals your relationship with God. Drink this and remember what he's done for you. From the earliest days of the church, we have been a singing people. We have been a responding people. This is good news that we are united with Christ and he is with us. And we respond by singing, not always because we feel like singing. Thank you for listening. Keep in touch with Sojourn New Albany on Facebook or download the free Sojourn Collective app for iPhone or Android where you can see our full library of sermon series audio and video, discussion questions, event calendar, ministries, and much more.